I can see myself as a pregnant woman. Now, the making of a good compilation tape is a very subtle art. Many do's and don'ts. First of all, you're using someone else's poetry to express how you feel. This is a delicate thing. Well, um, are you going to talk to me or shall I get my paper out? No, no, I'm going to talk to you. All right. What are you going to talk to me about? Um, you got to kick it off with a killer to grab attention. All right, welcome to The Grand Gesture, our mini fans. Uh, this is our first episode, so I assume we already have a huge fan base that is uh, checking in for this romantic comedy podcast that was originally titled Sex with Mike and Dave, and then we thought better of that because we actually do want listeners. We want people to experience at least one of those things, uh, which includes listening to us on a podcast, not the sex bit. But uh, we'll see. Maybe episode 100. That'll, that'll take place. Uh, I am Mike, and I am your country bumpkin, and my co-host Dave is a coastal elite, and what we're going to do on the show is try to apply everything that we've learned from movies, in this case, uh, romantic comedies, romance films, to our love lives. We're going to see if they're effective in real life. Probably not, but at the very least, they can be effective within the context of the individual film. So uh, we actually have a guest. We have someone who is excited to be here with us, and that's a great thing because Kristen Lopez has absolutely no evidence of this show being successful at all. This is totally based on faith that is unwarranted, but we're really happy to have her. She is a freelance a film writer that you can find in many places, and now I'm going to let her talk because she's better at that than me. Well, thank you for inviting me on to the inaugural episode of this. I'm, I'm very honored that you would consider me worth including. I'm Kristen, in case anybody didn't hear that the first time. I am a freelance pop culture writer, which is just a fancy schmancy word for unemployed. So I'm all over the internet. I have a classic film website called journeysinclassicfilm.com, but I, I have a bunch of places that I, I contribute to. You can usually find my stuff at medium.com slash at... Kristen Lopez, and I also decided to start a classic film podcast called Ticklish Business, which I've surprised that I've gotten to at least 20 some odd episodes. And I work during the day. So by the time I go to sleep, I'm usually exhausted questioning the nature of my existence. <laughs> Dave, that's your field. Yeah, that's... I, I've got nothing. I can't. Yeah, that, that's your professional expertise. It's got to come in. Not, not just the professional stuff. I mean, I didn't even include like the unprofessional <laughs> things that I do, like. This podcast. For once. <laughs> yes, <that's>... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Catherine Heigl, uh, supporter. Uh, I argue yes. for her greatness yes. on Twitter all the time. I, I'm everywhere talking about things both logical and probably terrifying. Well, I think that is the perfect transition to what we're going to talk about today because we are talking about <laughs> a Catherine Heigl movie. We're talking about Knocked Up. So we're going to get started on that. So we'll start, you know, in Knocked Up with the meat cute. First, Knocked Up is really the type of movie that I thought we would end up covering on this show before Mike took over the scheduling. Uh, as a matter of fact, once we talked about planning this podcast, this was the first movie mentioned Although that's probably due to Mike's creepy borderline obsession with Katherine Heigl lately. As Nothing a matter of fact, creepy about it. As a all. matter of fact, you can hear about a trio of her movies over at Mike's other podcast, War Machine vs. Warhorse. But in Knocked Up, we have two couples. First, we have Ben Stone, played by Seth Rogen, the unemployed stoner matched with Allison Scott, the responsible professional, played by Katherine Heigl. And we have Pete and Debbie, played by Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann. Sadly, we don't really get to see how the married couple meet. 
But the meet-cute between Allison and Ben is pretty much a tale as old as time. Drinking too much at a bar and hooking up with someone below your station. So it's rare that we see beer goggles from the female point of view, but here we are. That's not to say that there is not an immediate connection. They do get along well on first meeting. But it is not likely that this story occurs without the help of alcohol and celebration. So let's throw it to our guest first. What did you think of the introduction of these two characters together? And does it give us characters we can root for? I'm going to preface all of this with saying that I have a very mixed reception to Knocked Up in general. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really great when I when it came out and I was younger. And now that I am... I don't want to say my age, but I'm almost 30. Um, and as as somebody who has aged significantly since this movie, I have a lot of problems with it now. The concept of them meeting at a bar and having this one night stand, the, the movie has to deftly navigate the concept of consent mm. and how that works, especially when they're both drunk. So it's a bit of an equal footing because I think it would be incredibly creepy if one of them was drunker than the other. But there's this nice little moment where Seth Rogen's character really seems surprised that Katherine Heigl's character, Allison, <laughs> is even encouraging him and talking to him. You know, they're, they're trying to navigate getting beer and they're, they're having this fun moment. And you start to wonder whether she's just being nice or if there's a genuine connection, especially as the movie progresses. But I like how they interact. There's not really this grand, like, epiphany where like time stops like watching West Side Story and you're watching just these characters in isolation it seems very realistic I think if anything that these two would have this random moment in a bar and she's trying to be nice and if anything the creeper I think in the situation is Jason Siegel's character um <laughs> So a little. I, I, buy yeah. it. I buy it. More than anything else in the movie, like that part doesn't bother me as much. What about you, Mike? Oh, you're asking me to buy that um, <laughs> the queen, Catherine Heigl, oh, would yes. lower herself <laughs> to sleep with Seth Rogen. No, I would say I probably never bought it. I think that Seth Rogen and Catherine Heigl, both as performers, do a lot of heavy lifting to make you buy into the initial concept, which. Uh, you know, without the beer goggles, uh, the morning after, which I think is a great scene. I'm naked. Yeah. Do we have sex? Yes. Nice. What time is it? 7.30. Why the fuck are we awake? Let's go back to sleep. I have to go to work. Really? Uh, do you need to get to work or anything? No, I'm, uh, no work today. <laughs> want to get breakfast okay heigl the way she plays it's not even judgment of him so much as of herself because it's like yep this i is, did that mm. this is what i did in <laughs> pursuit anybody, of fun if anybody needed the concept of coyote ugly explained to them <laughs> there it is it's this moment. <laughs> but seth rogan has a great face like that when he's just been stirred from this this drunken night of of, of passion <laughs> Like that, that it, it just it, it's horrifying. Uh, just that look he gives Catherine Heigl. Yeah, I guess I do buy into it. I and I, I I've always thought that Heigl was really underrated in this film because you know mm-hmm. after its release there was a lot of uh, negative feedback based on some of her legitimate comments that she did make about the film. That you know her character is, uh, as we'll see, going to be perceived as the nag. I think by not only the, the other characters but also. Uh, by the filmmakers. It seems like this was a film meant for for boys. I'm going to agree with Chris. And I actually, 
in a different way, I've, I've definitely aged out of knocked up, mm-hmm. but I've gone from really sort of appreciating the, the bromance of Seth Rogen, that arrested development that he's in and sort of and enjoying that presence of, of your, your guy friend still being around to now as an old person, I am thinking Catherine Hagel, I'm totally on her side where it's like, dude, you need to get your shit together. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm totally seeing this comedy from her perspective now. And I would say that, in that way, the film has grown on me. And I find it really unfortunate that uh, there was so much negative feedback from Catherine Heigl because she should be ruling Hollywood at oh, this point. Jesus. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm so outnumbered on this podcast. Um, so I am not the world's biggest Catherine Heigl fan. I've been on record saying that probably more than once. But I do feel like this is probably her best performance as far as as far as films go. I actually really did enjoy her performance here. And I think I think in this opening scene, if if she doesn't do the heavy lifting, it doesn't work because Seth Rogen is doing his shtick. You know, he's being self-deprecating. He's being ridiculous. You've got his friends over on the side kind of in disbelief that this is happening. You know, dude, I think he's doing the dice thing too much. That's really all he's got. And that stuff really works comedically, but it's not helping us, you know, connect with this couple at all. But you can really see, especially as more and more alcohol is imbibed, you can see her really getting into this situation and really kind of liking this guy and finding him charming. I think she does most of the heavy lifting here. And Seth Rogen's job here is just to be funny and just to be ridiculous. Like whether it's the, you know, the the comment about the, the Jufro or the comment later when they're in bed together and him saying, Saying, wow, you're so much prettier than I am. Like she is really, you know, playing the straight man in this situation and really kind of going along with it. And I, I kind of like that as an actress, she was really game for this role. Well, he's just a side gag, right? Initially. Right. I mean, it's yeah. just his presence is, you know, look at this, this beautiful woman. And then this thing sitting next to this her. Thing. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, the, it's the King of Queens conundrum, yep, kind of, yep. you know, a little bit. We, yeah. Hollywood is, is, built on this like image of it's easier for unattractive guys to get hot women than unattractive women to get hot guys. So yeah, for them to, to work, you really have to buy into what Hollywood's already perpetuating that this is easier to buy than if Catherine Heigl's or if Catherine Heigl looked like Rachel Dratch and, and got, you know, like, <laughs> I'm trying to think like George Clooney. We probably wouldn't get that movie because Hollywood believes that that's totally unbelievable. Well, that's a good point uh, because the, is it the good girl? I'm, I'm not seeing it with Jennifer Aniston where she steps out on her husband, but it's with the younger man here that I believe a teenager in the film is Jake Gyllenhaal. So, I mean, and, and so for, for him to score that, the older woman, it's still freaking Jennifer Aniston. Right. But I think also in that movie, Jennifer Aniston is married to, John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Yeah, oh. already. I mean, you got to Even John C. Riley's got to be like, I get it. It's fine. <laughs> I, I find myself wondering though if it's if it's an easier sell here because if you bring up you know TV shows like like King of Queens where you you're introduced to these characters as a couple already, maybe there's an easier buy in there. Where in here, I think if you don't have the alcohol and the celebration aspect it's harder to buy. So do you think the situation itself lets us, lets us believe this, this pairing more so than if they had both been sober and Catherine Heigl was just naturally attracted to Seth Rogen? Oh yeah. I would never buy that Catherine Heigl would give 
Seth Rogen the time of day from a watch. Um, you know, she's probably <laughs> hooking up with James Franco in the movie before Seth Rogen. Um, and True. even that, I'm not buying. So yeah, it, wow. it helps that there's <laughs> it helps that there's the the element of she's trying to be polite. It progresses into they both get progressively drunker, and it's just an accident. Being being drunk helps a lot of elements in the beginning of this movie kind of feel palatable. Right. Being drunk helps. I, I like that message <laughs> that the movie <laughs> is sending. I appreciate that. All right. So I think from here, we're going to move to the breakup and there's, there's two pseudo breakups in this movie. I mentioned two couples uh, earlier in the film. So, but starting with, with Allison and Ben, it kind of starts with this, this earthquake and Allison realizing that, Ben is not really responsible, which, you know, big surprise there. But also, he hasn't read the baby books that he has promised to read, you know, as as they're planning for this pregnancy. And they have a knockdown dragon fight in traffic, which ends up with her throwing him out of the car on the way to the doctor's appointment. And he walks the rest of the way there and continues this fight. You know, I know this isn't you talking, it's your hormones, but I would just like to say, fuck you, hormones. You are a crazy bitch, hormones. Not Allison, hormones. Fuck them. It's a girl. Buy some pink shit. Nice. You are such an asshole. You know what? Go go fuck your fucking bong, you fuck. I will fuck. fuck my bong. Doggy style, for once. And on the other hand, we have Pete and Debbie, who end up having a falling out over spending time together, being dishonest, and of all things, fantasy baseball. So let's start with Pete and Debbie before moving on to our main characters. Is this breakup valid? Does this does this work for you in the flow of the movie or does it seem a little bit too ridiculous and over the top? The Leslie Mann Paul Red storyline feels great throughout this movie. It did not warrant an entire movie, as we saw with how <laughs> This is 40? Yeah. 40. Coming so to a future that, episode, I'm sure. Yes. With Kristen that, coming back. <laughs> Oh my god, I haven't seen that since it came out, and I don't even think I watched all of it. I think I got an hour in and said, screw this, I'm out. But but it works in the context of, of the film, because they're arguing about something very minor, which usually, as somebody who's, who's a child of divorce and has watched their parents argue, you know, little things turn into these big elements that have deeper meanings as you you listen to them so mm-hmm. you know they're arguing about fantasy baseball and he went to see spider-man 3 without her which honestly having just seen that movie for She's the first time myself, <laughs> she should be thanking her lucky stars that she didn't have to do that but it all underneath you realize that it's the concept of they don't want to spend time with each other. You know, they don't want to be around each other. They want to live this, these separate lives. And what does that mean if they're supposed to be married? And you have this concept of, you know, do married couples have to spend every waking second with each other in order to be in love? Or can they have separate identities? So it works better on a subtextual level for me because it's a little argument that's funny especially I'm assuming if like you're like me and you're not married, uh, it's hilarious to watch them have this, <laughs> this whole, you know, incidental argument, but it, it represents so much more in terms of where they are as a, a married couple. So this is where Kristen gets outnumbered on the show. Cause both Mike and I are married. And as I was watching this movie, 
now I don't think I've watched this since I've been married. There were moments of this that were a little too real. Like I have had these fights, not necessarily like, you know, the the fantasy draft and her like sneaking in, but like the I just wanted to see that movie with you and I found out you watched it without me and it's this huge betrayal. And, you know, sometimes from the perspective of the person who went and saw the movie, it's like, really? Are we really fighting about this this tiny thing? But in I think especially in relationships where you're married, uh, it's always the little things. So watching this in action, I was just like, "Yeah, this uh, this feels very real to me." What about you, Mike? See, I thought you, I thought you were going to go with fantasy baseball because we're also in a fantasy baseball league together. <laughs> and based on your current standing, I'm like, "There's no way your wife's mad at you because you're no. you're not paying attention at all." That your, is your true. Team's terrible. God that awful. is true. Um, Much like the team that, I root I was... for, so it's it's fine. <laughs> it you're, you're you're solid there, Giants fan. I think you're good for another decade. <laughs> I I really like the the Paul Rudd Leslie Lim, Leslie Mann the usage here is like a reflection for the Ben Stone character because throughout most of the film he is thinking that all he needs to do in this burgeoning relationship with with Allison is play good defense if he can just manage her in some way and manage her emotions then Rookie he's not mistake. I mean well he's he's not you know totally bought in I mean and we'll see with them that. Uh, you mentioned the the, the bong line, which I, I love. Uh, that there's also these these books uh, that you know his character needs probably more so than most men because he's not even really a fully formed adult yet, based on his living situation, his aspirations to uh, do their version of uh, Mr. Skin. Uh, which the the worst sin I think they commit is that they're unaware of Mr. Skin. I don't know yeah, if I, I buy into that. that. Yeah, like, okay, good. Thank you. I'm, I, I didn't. In 2007, when this came out, I was 18 and I knew what it was. And I didn't even surf the internet for inappropriate content. Well, I just want to go on record. I had no idea what it was until knocked up. That was <laughs> liar a revelation for me. <laughs> but yeah, that I think that's it speaks to where Ben Stone's coming from. You know, if he was if he was a more equipped guy and more engaged with his uh, partner, uh, who they're, they're they're expecting a child together. Uh, I could listen to his points more because they are valid in some respect. Like it is stupid what Pete and Debbie are fighting about. The fact that he wanted, he wants some time to have a fancy uh, baseball draft, which I'm assuming is not something she gives a shit about normally. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not the point of the argument, right. but Ben is just sticking to that. He's, uh, he is not getting, as Kristen said, any of the subtext of the situation there. It's all just all, all surface levels. Like, well, if she, you know, what's the problem with that? She doesn't like baseball. Let him have his baseball time. It's totally dorky. Like, why would you want to do that? I wouldn't want to do that. And <laughs> he just walks into it. And we see that repeatedly. And I think one of the issues I have with the film is it really does try the audience's patience as far as Ben not getting it through his thick skull. Like, because he just continually walks into arguments. And we're talking about a woman who's, you know, she's getting ready to have a baby. Her emotions are justifiably a little bit heightened and mm -hmm. all over the place. And he just refuses to be comforting. Like it's funny to me, Kristen point out that Jason Siegel is the creepiest character and perhaps is, but that is all. And it may be fake. All he offers to any female presence is comfort yep. and this fake engagement. And it's, <laughs> it's weird that for Ben, none of that rubs off at all. Like no, he's not taking, he's definitely not using his friend's playbook uh, in the slightest. So I, I, I really do like Pete and Debbie here. 
Uh, I'll hold my thoughts on This Is 40 uh, for next week's episode with Kristen. <laughs> we'll get to that later. This is a two-parter Perfect. now, officially. Perfect. So what about our, our main characters? What about this? I mean, this is the huge breakup, right? Like, I I mean, we get a bit of drama with, with our other couple, but this couple, I mean, we have, you know, not only a fight in a car and getting kicked out in the middle of nowhere, but we have people talking about not only go fuck your bong and him responding, I will, I'll fuck it doggy style for once. Like, we really have the big knockdown drag out. So I'm glad you brought that up i'm glad you brought up doggy style i knew you would uh, i've got i've got pages of notes on this uh no i i think that this film it's interesting for our very first episode uh you know this podcast is titled a grand gesture we're also seeing a dude who thinks he's making a grand romantic gesture yep. multiple times doggy style being one of them like he's like he's like i've got the i've got the fix for this but it's still about him having sex you know it's yep. still he's still getting something out of it him uh being kicked out of the car he still walks and it's like, it's all about his pain. It's, yep. a, it's not an apology. It's all about this, these grand gestures of sacrifice he's making when what he should really just be doing is be an adult, like yeah. in the conversation initially. Just bite, bite your tongue. Miles. Finally. Yeah. So there's some grand gesture fake outs here that Ben Stone's not getting. Yeah. Ben needs to learn to pick his battles. I think there's, there's a lot of moments where you're like, maybe you should just let this one go. But he just he's not an adult and he's not responsible, so he doesn't know how to let it go. So when you're expecting a woman who is pregnant to be the one to de-escalate an argument, that's that's the wrong way to go about this. She's got a lot it's more going really on offensive. than you are. If if I'm the Allison character, and as you know, I I side with Catherine Heigl and always in all things, I, yes, in all things, she can do no wrong <laughs> in my eyes. It's it's even more offensive to me as Allison. Uh, who I would never be because I would never be in this situation with Seth Rogen at all. Um, I love the pregnancy that, is the thing that's holding you back. It's like, I wouldn't be with <laughs> Seth Rogen. That's... No, I can see myself as a pregnant woman, just not have ever, I would never have sex with He's Seth scared. Rogen. Just, he would be just, gaining a yeah. higher class of. Yeah. Yes, that's true. He's got. Yeah. I could deal taste. with Paul, Paul Rudd. Yeah. I could manage that dude. I, you, you know, and everyone else. Face. That's sure. <laughs> Never ages. But, you know, Allison in her dealings with Ben, even that initial date, which we didn't talk about, like when she has some big news for him, like this is a dude that is freely aggressive. Like he's not aggressive in his life at all. He's not a go getter. But the way he curses and he's, he's very abrasive and dealing with, you know, someone who's not a complete stranger, but someone he doesn't know that well. Right. And so he, he just runs, he charges like, head first into things and just sort of snaps off. And I think, I think that's my biggest issue. If I'm the Allison character with this guy is, is the aggressiveness just in dealing with her, but not in fixing other aspects of his life. Yeah. And it doesn't really change until much later in the movie, like the morning after he's like talking about like, Oh my God, you don't smoke weed. What's wrong with you. And then the dinner later, like he's way inappropriate. And then even when they have this like double date dinner, he's still like not paying attention to her. Like you would think. In love with Paul Rudd. Yeah. Which I understand. But yeah, like yeah, you should maybe pay attention to the person you're with. And he just he doesn't learn until things go way south for him and they end up actually breaking up. Uh, but Kristen, what did you think uh, about this uh, fight between our two main characters? We've seen this whole man child has to grow up when his girlfriend is pregnant story before. Mm -hmm. This this movie is about on par with the movie Nine Months, which is a movie that I remember really loving as a kid, and then I became an adult and I watched it and I said, this movie is horrible because I hate the guy. So Julianne Moore, though. Yeah, I, I was Julianne waiting for Moore. that. <laughs> I love Julianne Moore. 
Julianne Moore pretty much does. She is a saint in that movie because I would, yeah, I would have been all, I'm out. I don't care if you're Hugh Grant in '94. Like I'm done. <laughs> um, so for me, the Katherine Heigl character is held up. This isn't her story, even though it should be. It's Seth Rogen's story. So you know we're we're dealing with a woman who has just gotten a dream job, looks like Katherine Heigl. And has to deal with the fact that she can't work and is probably going to lose her job for, for the sheer fact that she's pregnant. You know, workplace harassment, discrimination, not really mentioned at all for the most part. Kristen Wiig, though, is genius in that, that yes. scene. Oh, uh, she's Both so her great. and Alan Tudyk, they're fantastic in those moments. Yeah. You know, and she's probably going to have to raise both her uh, her child and Ben at the same time. <laughs> her two children. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> and and the, move, the move that I always get irked with as an adult, and I didn't notice it as, at first as when I saw this when it came out, Ben does go through these grand gestures that end up blowing up in his face like, you know, I thought you wanted me to marry you and that's not what she wants. Most of these movies end, though, with a grand gesture, which is he read the baby books. That undoes every single flaw <laughs> that he could possibly have. He knows what to do, how the stages of childbirth were. More than she does, which I found really upsetting to me. Like, mm -hmm. she's going through this, this birthing process, and yet she doesn't know what stage of labor she's in. Um, <laughs> and he has to tell her. So, mansplaining while you're trying to do things that like That's great. You know, those, are, those are the things that kind of irk me about this, is that he has to come in and save the day, um, you know, kicking everybody out of the hospital room. Like a all man. All this stuff. And she's really given no revelation that would imply that she's forgiven him for everything. But yet she does. That's, that's kind of what bothers me, is that she's a woman that's got her stuff together, yet... I would assume most of that is going to be negated or vastly changed because of, you know, having to have this child. And yet they never talk about anything significant. Like, where are we going to live? You know, you live with five guys watching, you know, movies about naked women. Um, you know, where are we going to live in the guest house that I live in with my sister and her husband? You know, th those things are supposed to be all undone just because he read Dr. Spock. Um, so I, I don't really buy it. All right. That's that's perfect for us to lead into the grand gestures. So I think in my mind, there's really two grand gestures. One of them pretty grand that doesn't really work out. And one of them not so grand. So, of course, we have the scene where he essentially makes a promise to her with an empty ring box uh, to kind of go one day when I when I have enough to make this worthy then I'll give this to you and then we have a gesture that's not so grand like yes he does read the baby books as you mentioned and pretty much has them memorized but they come back together again because Allison has no one else to turn to her doctor is missing her sister and her sister's husband are out of town so she ends up calling Ben so it's not it's not as if he makes some gesture at the end in order to get back in her good graces it's just a situation where she has no one else. So do we rate this gesture as grand or not? How does this work for you? Yes, I, I think it's grand. He's still alive. That's That seems to be all that's being asked of him. Yeah, <laughs> he's, for he's him, that is an to. accomplishment. That's <laughs> yeah. He's breathing. He's bought food he can, for himself. That's good. <laughs> he can answer the phone. He can drive himself over there. He's not intoxicated. He's not you know, otherwise in an altered state. Yeah, I guess we are supposed to see this as a grand gesture. There are definitely some issues here. I don't necessarily have an issue with his with turning him loose on the doctor 
or on Debbie as a weapon here, because some of the, the things that bothered me initially, I feel like they stay true to his character, that he does not care to be the rude individual in the room. And so it, it, in a way it is, it may have been better if Allison had more of a hand in that, but I guess right. the grand gesture here is he weaponizes the worst traits of himself in defense of her. <laughs> but I don't know. You know, I think there's a good reason that the quasi sequel to this does not focus on this particular couple because it doesn't necessarily project a happy uh, existence for them as parents. I, I don't know if, if, if turning to your partner's flaws and exaggerating them is the way to have a long standing relationship, but it, I think it's, I mean, I, I don't think it's too much a reach for Ben. Clearly what we're talking about is that it's not really a reach at all. He did, <laughs> he did kind of the bare minimum and barely change. He, he pretty much changes zip codes, I guess is, right. is it. He moves out of the, the, the bromance house and that that's that's the extent of it. I have always hated. I don't know if Kristen's going to touch on that, but I've hated the 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 final sequence because the end of the film is him him talking to uh, his child, saying, you know, the, mm. the best thing ever happened was that mistake, you know, not putting the condom on, misunderstanding what Allison said to him. And I think that's a last gag. That's fine. That's the, right. and it, it sort of reminds you this is what brought all this together. But then we have one more moment with her in the back seat, and it's like a, a traffic joke on no. them going to live. It's, it's like the, the them riding off the sunset. But of course, I, I don't. I shouldn't bring up uh, you know Judd Apatow going on a bit too long with his mm. films. Obviously, you just have to. Take, I mean, yeah, that's, that's gonna happen. That's what he does. Yeah, I think you actually bring up something that that is my big problem with the end of this movie is so when I sit down to watch a romantic comedy. Like, I want a happy ending, right? I want to believe that this couple is going to make it. I want, you know, when Harry met Sally and you, you know, you get them at the end in their little interview and they're happy together and everything's working out. I don't see things working out for this couple. Like, there's no way that kid is getting raised in a house with these two parents. Even at the end of the movie, when, like you said, he's weaponized these faults of himself to yell at doctors over a over an answering machine, to take these doctors outside and tell them what's what, to kick everyone out of the room. It's like, yeah, that's great. I guess that's kind of a nice thing he did for her. But, like, where do you go from here? And I think the great romantic comedies, the credits roll, and you can envision them being together in, until the end. And I, I don't get that in this movie at all. So I feel like it leans a little too heavily on the fact that, you know, Seth Rogen is the is the idiot and she's the real smart one because, like, you can't picture these two together. Yeah, I, I envision a movie where the child is, like, 25 <laughs> and in therapy saying there is so no reason. So much my therapy. <laughs> they, my parents should have never stayed together. Like, okay, right. you know, they had me. It was an accident. That's cool. Don't don't make me suffer by staying together purely for my sake. Um, yeah, I, I don't envision, and it doesn't help that I just watched an affair to remember before this for my podcast. Jeez. Oh, you're really slumming it on this one. I mean, yeah, for many yeah. reasons are you slumming it here? And you bring up the, the, a good point that the best romance movies, and I watch you know many that are from the the golden era. You want to see the characters get together, even if they don't. In this, there's just no relatability to the fact that these two won't have the same problems as soon as they get to wherever they're driving. And you shouldn't be left with those things in a good romance film. And and for me, when we talk about, you know, Ben weaponizing his, his, his issues, for me, it always leaves me wondering if the shoe was on the other foot and Katherine Heigl did those same things in this movie. Would it just perpetuate the concept of her being a shrew? If she called her obstetrician, which the fact she didn't 
and she's in labor. Again, <laughs> Catherine Heigl's character becomes stupider as this movie progresses because she is having a child and makes no attempt to maybe even call 911. Okay, you have nobody else to turn. Call call him for comfort, but get a goddamn ambulance to help you <laughs> unless you're going to have him deliver your baby. You know, it seems like like Ben's quote-unquote uh, you know, strength is that people seem to respond to him. Are they responding to him because of his character traits or just because he's a male? Like, those are the questions I'm left with as this movie progresses. Uh... I, well, I, I think that's that's valid. I think that he's a very particular type of male. Like, I think the fact that he's a visual gag as far as, like, I, I think the poster was even, like, who would sleep with this guy or something yep. of that nature right. in his face. I, I think there's something, too. He gets away with being hyper-aggressive, much in the way that Adam Sandler did in the mid-'90s. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, but he's a goofball. <laughs> like, look at how silly he is. Yeah, he as appears non-threatening. Being, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Catherine Heigl would be very threatening, and I think people will be uncomfortable with it. Now, to answer Kristen's question and give her an answer that she did not want, I'm imagining if she had been that way and knocked up, we would not be speaking because I would not be watching any movies. I would just be watching those clips over and over of her tearing people to shreds. And it's the greatest cinematic achievement of all time. I would be totally down. Okay, yes. There needs to be more of Catherine Heigl just like going on a Christian Bale level tirade. And oh I, I would watch it and I would, I would pay money. I would camp out for tickets to that. I'm having some heart trouble right now. I don't know if the mic can pick up. <laughs> I don't even know. Dave, you need to take I, over I don't here. even know where to go from there. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, yeah. So I guess uh, our last question before we kind of close up is, do you feel like this grand gesture would work in real life? Is this just, as Mike would say, is this just movie bullshit? Or is this something that in real life, would ever happen. I'm going to be very blunt and cold. No, it wouldn't. She'd have gotten an abortion. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of my argument. I don't think we would have made it past the first 15 minutes of this movie. Um, and that, that, that pains me um, because the movie really doesn't take the time to explore. This is a movie about a couple, but it's really a movie about a man. About a man trying to grow up because mm-hmm. his, you know, a one night stand turns into an 18 year relationship, whether he likes it or not. And that's kind of my argument. I don't believe that the movie would have held up in reality in any way, shape or form. Catherine Heigl was making probably enough money at E as a correspondent that she could have easily raised that child alone. Because yeah. we all know that he was not making child support payments because he has no job. <laughs> he would just have to get hit by another postal truck. He'll be all right. It'll be fine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. One, I don't think this relationship would ever happen after that first night. I think you bring up a lot of good points that she she has some familial support and she's got a decent job. She could probably take care of this kid on her own. She'd probably be better off. Like you mentioned, she would be taking care of one kid instead of two. And I think uh, it's a little unbelievable that, that she calls him. Like it, it, like his grand gesture is to wait by the phone and answer it. Uh, and I just don't believe she would have called him. So I'm not, I'm not buying that this would happen in real life. So Mike, be the, be the savior here. Be the, be the optimist. Tell us this would work out. Okay. I, I can give you, I'll give you a different take. Cause I, I will, I'll speak as one of the many, uh, probably in existence in this world that is, is not a real baby that probably, you know, if my parents had thought better of, of their situation, probably would have, you know, this podcast would not exist. We'll just put it that way. Um, his grand gesture. I I can see it is definitely a, a conceit you have to buy into that she would even 
give it the old college try here, uh, <laughs> even continuing with him. Right. Uh, and I don't think we probably, I mean, I think it's fair to say we don't know enough about her. As Kristen said, it's not her movie where uh, having this child means that much to her. Uh, like regardless of if he's in the life at all, it's just like, I, I did not get that from her. It, it seemed like she actually was a bit uh, stunted based on her interactions with Debbie, as far as having, um, you know, social life. You know, it seems like she's someone that was very professionally oriented, very, very driven that way. And at least in their meet cute, this is something that she rarely does. Um, that's a little bit of a tougher buy-in. I do buy into it. I don't, some of the people that put this concept, that's, that's what they're wanting. They're wanting me and Dave to unload all of our embarrassing bullshit. And I don't have a particular story. Um, and I don't suffer from the same rage issues as Ben, but I do think it, you have to, as a man, sometimes question when your your partner uh, gives you kudos or a claim for doing some very minor bullshit. <laughs> like if I if I do a load of laundry or if I walk the dog, which I I, I love my dog, so I don't mind doing. I'll sometimes get you know a compliment from my my wife, like oh that was really nice for you to do. And then in my head I'm thinking like mm, not really. It wasn't really that nice. It's just <laughs> shit that needs to get done. And so I, I have to call myself the conference say, how often do I thank my wife for just doing normal bullshit? And I think it's because as men, we are sort of built up through a lot of entertainment we watch that we are the idiots who can barely take care of ourselves. And in particular, this film, it really, that was the demo, right? I mean, look at his lifestyle. It is like a fantasy version of Arrested Development where you hang out with your boys. And as Kristen said, you watch naked ladies and you pursue that as some sort of career goal so yes do i buy into it and within the context of the film because yeah for ben this is probably major that he is just even holding your hand during childbirth or he's in the moment (laughs) for once in real world it's not really that big of a grand gesture right so i I think the film is effective i I think for the most part you do forget this as you're watching it but it's it's definitely done a disservice talking about it because when you talk about it in these characters nice for our first episode that's good absolutely that's you know that's that's why i picked it because uh you know i i wanted to prop up katherine heigl some more and be like look at this this poor lady what she had to go through with this but both uh, on screen and off absolutely of course All right. Well, that is our episode on Knocked Up. I want to thank uh, thank our guest, uh, Kristen, for, for being here. Why don't you let people know how they can follow you on Twitter and your 900 publications that are out there floating on the Internet? <laughs> well, you can always follow me and get my random ramblings on Twitter at journeys underscore film. Um, I'm also on uh, the Internet in a variety of places, but my portfolio can be found at medium.com slash at Kristen Lopez and if you are a classic film fan and want to hear me talk about better romances than Knocked Up um, you can do that at ticklishbusiness.podbean.com or just come back for a This Is 40 episode next week <laughs> Kristen Lopez All right, thank you everybody for listening to the very first episode of The Grand Gesture. Now, as we're a brand new podcast, we'd love it if you'd share the episode and tell your friends about it. 
You can also follow us on social media. Just look up Grand Gesture Pod on Twitter and follow us there or email us at grandgesturepod at gmail.com. And join us next week when we have our second episode on a movie that you may not think of as a romantic comedy or even a romance, but we'll try to prove you wrong. And we'll be talking about the movie Mud with our guest Barry from the True Bromance Film Podcast. Am I coming through okay? Yeah, you're coming through. Can you hear us? Yes. Oh, okay. I see you're only concerned about yourself, Dave. You didn't wait for me to jump in. No, not at all. I know you will speak for yourself <laughs> at length. <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be a little messy, but what we'll, we'll well, make but something. You have me talking about Katherine Heigl. That's the definition of messy. So it seems. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Jack, Jack.